0: chapter 18 what is truth uh certainly good to see everyone here today i appreciate this opportunity to speak i would ask that you know that if there's anything that i say that you think um might need to be uh corrected or that you might want a little more information about it please let me know um everything that i plan to speak to today comes directly from the scriptures, so um i feel confident it's truth but uh like I say, this question we're looking at today is what is truth? And so if there's a question about it, let me know. Um, the question itself comes from John 18 um, and uh, verse 38. But if you would, turn to John 18 and starting in verse 28, I'm going to read through John 19:16. So from John 1828 to John 1916. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas into the praetorium. And it was early, and they themselves did not enter into the praetorium, so that they would not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. Therefore Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If this man were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him to you. So Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews said to him, "'We are not permitted to put anyone to death "'to fulfill the word of Jesus, "'which he spoke, signifying by what kind of death "'he was about to die. "'Therefore Pilate entered again into the praetorium "'and summoned Jesus and said to him, "'Are you the king of the Jews?' "'And Jesus answered, "'Are you saying this on your own initiative, "'or did others tell you about me?' "'Pilate answered, "'I am not a Jew, am I? "'Your own nation and the chief priest "'delivered you to me. "'What have you done?' And Jesus answered, "'My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I might not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm.' Therefore Pilate said to him, "'So you are a king?' And Jesus answered, "'You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice.' Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you wish then that I release for you the king of the Jews? So, that, so they cried out again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Pilate then took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head put a purple robe on him, and they began to come up to him and say, Hail, King of the Jews, and to give him slaps in the face. Pilate came out again and said to him, Behold, I am bringing him out so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. Jesus then came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. So when the chief priest and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify, crucify. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a a law, and by that law he ought to die, because he made himself out to be the Son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. And he entered into the praetorium again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You do not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you? and I have authority to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. As a result of this, Pilate made efforts to release him. But the Jews cried out saying, if you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar. Therefore, when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out, sat down on the judgment seat, At a place called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of the preparation for the Passover. It was about the sixth hour, and he said to the Jews, Behold your king. So they cried out, Away with him, away with him, and crucify him. Pilate said to them, I shall crucify, or shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Now prior to this, Jesus had already been accused, he had already been before. The uh, uh, he'd already been. I'm sorry. He'd already been betrayed by Judas. He'd already been arrested. He'd already brought been brought before the high priest. He'd already been accused of several things. He was brought before Annas, the father-in-law of Caiaphas. He was then brought before Caiaphas, the high priest. And then he was also prior to this. We ha- we could read the account of him being uh, denied three times by Peter, and then the rooster crowing, and then Jesus's finally brought to pilot, So a lot of things that we haven't read, I know that was a lengthy reading, but a lot of things we haven't read have already occurred. And then he's been brought to pilot to go through what we just talked about. What I'm hoping to be able to do to try to answer the question that's been proposed, what is truth, is I want to talk about some of the characters. I want to talk about several characters that we've read about some of the ones that, um, you know, that possibly we haven't read about. And just Look at their motives, look at what they, what the situation was as far as what their positions and their motives as to how they would deal with Jesus. The first one I want to look at is Pilate. So, in, so Pilate was actually the governor of this Roman province, the governor of Judea. And uh, he didn't answer to a senate, he answered directly to Caesar. He act, answered directly to Tiberius Caesar. Um, He was responsible in this province for all the financial dealings that Caesar Caesar tasked him with. He was responsible for any judicial operations in the province. He was also responsible for the military in the province. So if there was any insurrection, if there was any uproar among the Jews, it was going to be his responsibility to, to handle that and take care of that. Caesar also had a pretty good influence directly on this area because the area of Jerusalem was pretty much a land bridge to Egypt and they got a lot of goods from Egypt. It was pretty much their bread basket. So Caesar didn't want any issues in Jerusalem. He didn't want any problems in, in Jerusalem. And also you had a lot of Jews in Jerusalem. And if you remember, we're about to, they're about to celebrate the Passover. The Passover was a commemoration of their of their exodus from Egypt. So about this time in their uh, in their year, they would be thinking about that, and also they're under Roman rule, so about this time of year, it would also be stirred up that you know they would like to throw off this Roman rule they would rather be rule themselves and not have to worry about anything that the uh, Romans would place on them so that was something that Caesar was concerned about also with all the Jews, but particularly in this location. the authority that Pilate had was given to him directly by the by Caesar and the authority was pretty extensive he had the authority of life over death or he had the authority of life and death to any of the subjects that he came in contact with in fact we uh, we read that it was reflected his power was reflected when we read in chapter 19 verse 10 when he said when he asked Jesus do you not know that I have the power to to uh, release you or to crucify you Thinking that that power was delegated by Caesar. And Jesus rightly answered him, you have that power because God has allowed you to have that power. So Pilate was responsible for maintaining peace in the area. That was his primary concern. Uh, he was also concerned with his own position. This was a position that had been given to him. But the reason he was in Jerusalem was to make sure that law and order was kept, that there was no uprising, because there were a lot of Jews coming into the area for Passover. Um, he was prepared, if he needed to, to take hold of the soldiers that were in the area, to use the soldiers to, to uh, take care of any kind of uprising that there might be. And also, we see that he took personal control of the interrogation of Jesus. When Jesus was brought in, he didn't simply bring in a judge and say, okay, well, hear this matter and let me know what you find out. When he was seeing the, the way this was being played out, he decided, I'm going to take control of this myself. I'm going to personally... Uh, Handle this interrogation. After he turns Jesus over to the Jews. After he's decided he is going to crucify him. Pretty much he's looking at Jesus as nothing more than some type of rebel. It doesn't appear that he's looking at Jesus as possibly being the son of God. uh, Maybe calling himself the king of the Jews. He's claiming to be the king of the Jews. But after his interrogation of Jesus. Pilate doesn't really consider that, that he's much of a threat. Now, he is concerned, and we, we read that when he's being told this man says that he's the Son of God, the word fear comes into the Scripture. And we do know that he is wanting to make sure that there is no unrest. And so, at this point, you know, the Sanhedrin's, the people that have turned him over, the, have uh, got a lot of power. And so, he wants to make sure that there's no unrest, there's no upsurge. He doesn't want anything to get back to Caesar. He's wanting to make sure everything that's, uh, um, you know, that everything goes smooth and he doesn't have any more problems. He's already had some problems handling things uh, that he's responsible for. He, like I said, he shows some fear dealing with Jesus when Jesus is told, when he's told that Jesus claims to be the son of God. Uh, Prior to this, he'd been mocking Jesus, but now he comes back in and he seems to be more serious, asking where he's from He's trying to find out more things about him. Uh, But at some point he decides that he can't prevail against the Jewish leaders. So he pretty much gives up. I mean, after all, what's going to happen? There's going to be one individual die. There's going to be one man that dies. And so he's not that concerned. It's easier just to give in to the Jews and satisfy them. And that way there's no, there's no turmoil. There's other accounts that we see about Pilate, Uh, Josephus and, and follow. They all write about him they talk about outside biblical accounts. They talk about unwarranted executions. They talk about him taking bribes. They talk about eventually him being taken back to uh, uh, taken back to Rome after he executed several Samaritans that were simply exercising a religious uh, activity. They were marching to Mount uh, Gerizim. So even though he appears to be trying to find out what's wrong with Jesus and appears to be giving him a trial, this wasn't a good man. This was an individual that was looking after his own self. He was wanting to make sure he didn't have any issues. And if it meant he was going to have to allow this Jew to die, then he was going to allow this Jew to die. So he he was not a good man. One thing we do find out is several times he seeks to release Jesus and he declares himself that Jesus was an innocent man. So... We, uh, we do have that truth that comes out during this series of conversation. Another person that I want to talk about, even though we didn't read about him in this passage, we read about him in this account in Matthew. In Matthew, the 29th chapter, in verse 19, we read about Pilate's wife. And we read about an event that, uh, that happens to her and that she sends word to Pilate. Um, a little bit about Pilate's wife. She was the granddaughter of the Emperor Augustus. Uh, She was indeed an actual royal princess. Possibly this is the reason that Pilate had his position because of her clout, not necessarily because he was uh, such an outstanding uh, person himself. Um, For one thing, she had no reason to fear the Jews. She had plenty of power on her own. She had no reason to fear the Jews. But she does send word to her husband, to Pilate, that she's had some Uh, she's been terribly troubled by a dream that she had about Jesus. And again, we read in Matthew 29, 19, she calls Jesus, this person that she's had these terrible dreams concerning Jesus, that he's a righteous man. So we do have another declaration of his innocence. One of the other players or characters or group of characters I want to talk about are the uh, Jewish leaders. Um, This I would refer to them as the Sanhedrin. And uh, they are the ones that had um, Jesus tried in the mock trials. They are the ones that had Him arrested. Um, they were the foremost authority uh, of the Jews in Judea. If there was something that needed to come before court, if there was something that had to be satisfied by law, then it would come before them. And they would hold court in Jerusalem. So they were in Jerusalem at the time of this event. Um, they had available to them the temple police. And it's most likely that's how Jesus was arrested. They decided he needed to be arrested. They sent, them, they sent the police out to arrest him. There's three groups that I want to think about in, this, uh, in the Sanhedrin. You have the chief priest. You have the elders. And you have the scribes. The chief priest usually held the uh, higher positions. And their family members as well held high offices. Um, a lot of times... It was a very lucrative position. Uh, it was certainly positions of power. So they saw Jesus as a threat, not as the Messiah, but a threat to their power, to their positions. And so they had been seeking for a long time to do away with Him. So their motives were, this person threatens our power, our position, our financial stability. And so we need to do away with Him. Not all, not all felt this way. Uh, Joseph of Arimathea was a member of the Sanhedrin. Uh, Nicodemus was a member was a scribe in Sanhedrin but the high priest Caiaphas uh, he presided over the trial of Jesus uh, he had him arrested had him brought before the the courts and Caiaphas made the statement at one point that doing away with one individual doing away with one man or that one man should die for the people might be expedient that that may, might be a good thing Look at John 11, starting in verse 47. John 11, verses 47, I'm going to read through 53. Therefore, the chief priest and the Pharisees convened a council, and were saying, what are we doing? For this man is performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, all men will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation." But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you take into account that it's expedient for you that one man die for the people and that the whole nation not perish. So he's already decided if it comes down to it, we'll do away with this Jesus. He'll simply have to die and everything will be okay. We'll get rid of him. One problem, they had no authority to execute. So even though they could find him guilty of something, they couldn't execute him, even if it was something that their law would say was guilty of death. So they had to come up with a plan where they could accuse Jesus of something that the Romans would execute him for. So they had to accuse Jesus of, Jesus of treason and say that he was a threat to Caesar, Caesar, and then that would allow the Romans to execute Jesus. So there was a lot of trickery going on. There was a lot of maneuvering going around to take care of this Jesus. But they felt like that in one act if they could have them execute Him they would destroy Jesus. Uh, They could blame the Romans for it. And they could actually show that they had some, uh, they were loyal to the Romans. They were loyal to Roman authority. But the Jewish leader he wanted Jesus gone so he wanted to protect himself. He wanted to protect his financial power. He wanted to uh, protect his religious power. So, when we look at their motives, they were threatened by Jesus. They, they were threatened. He was threatening the power they had. He was popular and was gaining many followers. So, they were concerned about that. A lot of people considered him at very least a prophet and some actually considered him to be the Messiah. They expected it at this point in time during the Passover feast that he might actually declare himself to be the Son of God that he might declare himself to indeed to be the Messiah. And Caiaphas must have thought that at this time in in place, that this was going to be the last resort. This is going to be, uh, the time was at hand to do away with Jesus. It was going to be now or never. So he had Jesus arrested. He brought him into court. He was arrested at night. He was arrested in the middle of the night. They had a trial in the middle of the night. Um, They had badly prepared false witnesses that tried to uh, witness against Jesus, and even they didn't agree. Uh, They actually caused Jesus to testify against himself. Uh, Caiaphas stood up and and charged Jesus and asked him to answer and testify against himself. Uh, The charges that finally came against Jesus were a direct result of this intervention by Caiaphas. All of this is illegal. All of this didn't follow their law. All of this is trumped up. None of this should be happening. Look in Mark chapter 14, starting in verse 60. Mark chapter 14. I'm going to start reading in verse 60. So during this trial, when Jesus had been brought before Caiaphas, before the high priest, the high priest stood up and came forward and questioned Jesus, saying, Do you not answer? What is it that these men are testifying against you? But he kept silent and did not answer. Again, the high priest was questioning him and saying to him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed one? And Jesus said, I am. And you shall see the son of man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Tearing his clothes, the high priest said, what further need do we have of these witnesses? So he actually had Jesus testify against himself. And once Jesus declared himself to actually be the son of God, then Caiaphas simply tore his clothes and said, that's enough, I've heard enough, we can convict him. Also want to think about the people, because there were, like I said, there were many Jews that were in this area at the time. There were many people had come to uh, Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. So we had large crowds of Jews there for the Passover. Uh, I've already said this was to commemorate their exodus from Egypt. And so these people in their minds would already be thinking, you know, we've come from Egypt and now we have Roman rule and so there's an element out there that's always wanting to throw off whatever rule is over them we're not talking about uh them being in captivity but we're all ta- we are talking about them having to deal with Roman rule so during a festival like this with a lot of people and the kind of atmosphere you had then there's always the opportunity for rebellion and we we'll, we read that the uh uh, the rulers stirred the people up to get what they wanted. They've already decided they're going to do away with Jesus. And when Pilate tries to stop that and tries to release Jesus, these people are stirred up to ask for someone else. That's the next person I want to talk about. If you, talk, if you consider uh, uh, Barabbas, let's talk about who he was. Barabbas was a Jewish prisoner. He was in prison already. Um, the Jews were stirred up to ask for the release of Barabbas. Pilate was going to release Jesus or Barabbas, thinking, "Well, they're certainly not going to take this man. He's a he's a murderer." As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, there's no doubt Barabbas is guilty. Uh, there's no doubt he's in prison for the right reason. And yet, the chief priest they incited the mob, they stirred him up, they got him to ask for Barabbas. And uh, so, instead of taking Barabbas who was probably a zealot, who was probably a pretty violent rabble rouser, um, versus Jesus, who was meek and not seeming like he was going to do anything for him. Uh, it seemed like it was pretty obvious that they would, take, uh, they would take Barabbas over Jesus. And they did. It's noteworthy also that the Caiaphas uh, that had this mock trial... He's the same one that signed the letters for Saul uh, to go out and persecute the Christians. So uh, we, we see him in other places too. He's not, he's always got some uh, some different motives. I, I know in some cases he was sincere. There were times where uh, he thought he was probably doing the right thing. But in the case of Jesus, he's just tr- simply trying to get rid of someone who threatens his power. Uh, Barabbas is also referred to as a uh, is a murderer in Acts 3. Acts 3.14, but you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer. So like I said, he was probably a zealot. He was probably seeking to throw off Roman, Roman rule. So when given a, uh, a choice between Jesus, who doesn't seem like he's going to do anything for the people, versus this man who might be someone that can help them overthrow the Romans, they chose Barabbas. So, we started out with this lesson, and we were going to talk about what is truth. And I know it seems like all I've talked about was falsehoods. I've talked about deceit. I've talked about people trying to seek their own at the expense of other people, uh, people that don't want the truth to come out, people that are going to stir others up to do uh, what they shouldn't. So we really hadn't talked about anything that is truth. The few things that we have saw, uh, that we've seen that was truth came from Jesus. Um, So let's look back at the conversation. Um, Jesus was brought to Pilate early in the morning. Uh, He had already been accused by the chief priest of a crime, and they don't really specify what that crime is. So let's go back to verse 33. Let's start back in verse 33. Therefore, Pilate Pilate entered again into the Praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Are you saying this of your own initiative, or did others tell you about me? And Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priest delivered you to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Therefore, Pilate said to him, So you are a king? And Jesus answered, say correctly that I am a king for this I've been born and for this I come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my name or hears my voice. And Pilate said to him what is truth? Pilate is actually trying to determine some truth he thinks. He's trying to find out what Jesus has done wrong. So at least there he's trying to he is trying to come up with what crime does this man, has he committed? So there is a truth he thinks he's trying to find. Um, but, of course, Jesus hadn't committed any crime, so there's no truth there. Um, the point is, when Pilate makes the statement, what is truth? You know, I've looked at it different ways. I'm like, is he really asking what truth is? Is he really wanting to know what truth is, the truth that Jesus spoke about just before the question? And uh, I get the feeling that I really believe that that's not the case. I really believe that it's just sort of a flippant comment. It's just, you know, what is truth? As if there is no truth. Because, you know, I believe that if you really wanted to know, he would have had it. I mean, you think about the irony of the one person, not the one person, but an individual that could give him truth more than anyone else on the planet at this point, is sitting right in front of him. And if it was in his heart to know the truth, if he really did want to find truth, then there's the individual right before him that could give him that. So I really believe that Jesus knows what's in Pilate's heart at this time, as he would everyone's heart. God knows what's in our heart. So I really believe that if he was sincere in wanting to know the actual truth that Jesus spoke of, that he would have gotten it. Jesus would have told him. If he were sincere, if he really wanted to know, then Asking the question what is truth. He would have gotten an answer. And he would have gotten it from Jesus. So what I would like to do. Is I would like to examine what truth actually is. Now we've gone through several characters. We've talked about Pilate. We've talked about the Sanhedrin. The high priest. The people. Pilate's wife. Barabbas. Several different individuals. The one we had not talked about is Jesus. And so I want to talk about Jesus. The character in this event Jesus. And uh, see if we can find what is truth for ourselves. Um, one thing we know about this situation is Jesus was considered at this point uh, by the Sanhedrin and by Pilate and the soldiers that mocked Him uh, that He was pretty much maybe a Jewish rabbi. He had some disciples following Him. He had people He was teaching. Uh, there were some that would condemn Him as an imposter. There were some that would condemn Him as just a a troublemaker. Uh, We certainly see that already that the Jews, the priest, uh, considered him as someone that was a threat to them. Um, But there were some of his followers that believed in him. There were some there that believed him to be the Christ. And like I said, there were some earlier that uh, I mentioned that believed him to be the Son of God. So um, we do have, we, we have considered what people were thinking about Jesus. The question is not is, you know, did Jesus exist? Uh, there's historical accounts other than the Bible that talks about Jesus, uh, talks about his followers and what their beliefs were. Um, even in uh, Jewish tradition, even in uh, the Talmud, there's a depiction of Jesus as a rabbi with followers. And it alludes to his condemnation for practicing sorcery and leading Jews astray. So even though it's not telling the truth about Jesus, it is saying there was Jesus. So, when we're talking about truth, we don't ask the question, was there a Jesus? We pretty much, it goes without saying, it's, there's no real dispute as to the existing of Jesus. But what, what about the existence of this man and what the truth about this man was? What is truth? Was this an individual that was just a troublemaker? Was this a person that was leading Jews astray? You know, was he, as, as Pilate said, a not, not a real threat, just someone that's causing problems. And the best thing I can do is just allow him to be killed and get rid of him. So to find out what truth is and what, what the truth that Jesus speaks of is, uh, we have to go to the Scriptures. First of all, I want to look at some of the places where we're seeing Jesus in prophecy. In um, Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah seven fourteen, Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. So we're being told back in the Old Testament as I, uh, Isaiah, I'm sorry, that there will be a virgin that will give birth to someone who will be called God on earth or God with us. And if you go to Matthew chapter one and start in verse 20, Matthew one and verse 20. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what is spoken by the Lord through the prophet, behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son. So we're seeing that there is a prophecy of Jesus coming to this earth. And we see it fulfilled in Matthew. And she indeed indeed did have a son and called his name Jesus. Um, One of the uh, prophecies we read that has to do with the event, the time around the event that we've just been discussing. Look in Zechariah chapter 9. Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. Zechariah 9 verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation, is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now think about that prophecy there. Your king's going to come riding in on a donkey, a humble individual, not the king that anybody was looking for. We've already decided that these people were not looking for this kind of king not someone who's meek, not someone who's humble. They want somebody that's going to overthrow the Romans or anybody else that has any problem with them and be their king again, and they'll be a powerful nation. But look in Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. I'm going to begin reading in the first verse. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they brought the donkey and the colt and put on their cloaks, and he sat on them. So we see the prophecy of this king coming into Jerusalem on a donkey, and indeed that's how he came into this, into this location. Um, what about the actual life of Jesus? What about certain things we see in the crucifixion? If you look at Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53, this is a verse I know we're all We read quite a lot, especially at the Lord's table. But in verse 3, there is the prophecy that he will be despised and that he'll be forsaken by men. In verse 5, the prophecy that he will be pierced for our transgressions. Also in verse 5, by his scourging, we are healed. Verse 7, he will be oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. Oh, um, In verse 9, his grave is assigned with the wicked man and yet was with the rich man in his death. Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man, is the one that took Jesus to his own tomb and and buried him. Verse 9, he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. You remember Pilate saying, I find no wrong in this man. You remember his wife saying he was a righteous man. She'd had many dreams and... Trouble because of this this individual. And we just read um, scripture that says that she will bear a son. And indeed he was born of woman, a man. He will save the people from their sins. And so he will be a Messiah. Behold your king. So he will establish a kingdom. Not the kingdom that Pilate was asking about. Not that kind. But a kingdom not of this world. And like a lamb to the slaughter, he'll be... Crucified, And yet his accusers in front of his accusers, he'll be silent. So again, I want to ask, what is truth? Uh, what did so many people get wrong? Why did they miss all of this? They had these prophecies. They knew what to look for. They knew what was going to happen, what this Messiah would be. They were told, but it wasn't what they wanted. And some of them didn't want to see it. Like I said, the Jewish rulers, a lot of them didn't want to see it. But. For us we do see it. We should be able to see it. We shouldn't we shouldn't get it wrong. So what is the actual truth about Jesus? We've we've talked about what everybody believed, we've talked about what was prophesied. But what is the truth? The first truth I'd want to say or I'd want to mention is that G- Jesus the man, Jesus born of woman was God with us. That he actually left heaven. He came to this earth and he was the Savior for all men. He lived a sinless life and was the Savior for all men. Let's look at John chapter one. John chapter one and starting in verse one. John one, one through three. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, all things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that was that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. He came to this earth to live as a man, to be the light for all men, and yet not all men comprehended this light and recognized him. Another truth Jesus was rejected. We do see that in his life he was rejected. Uh, Let's look at, I'd like to turn to Acts 3, Acts chapter 3. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 1, Acts 3, verse 1. <clears throat> now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a man who was lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple to beg for alms. The beggar asked Peter and John for alms, but they had none to give, and so instead uh, they, were, they were going to give him something else. So you look, in, look on down to verse 12. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, men of Israel, why are you amazed? Because what they have done is they've healed the man. They have no, he's asked for alms. They tell him, we have no alms to give you, but what we do have we'll give you. And they healed this uh, lame man. And everybody sees it and they run to him. And they, they're amazed that this has happened. Everyone knows this man. He's been lame since birth. So again in verse 12, but when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why do you gaze at us as if by our own power or piety, we had made him to walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified this, his servant, Jesus, the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and the righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, but put to death the prince of peace, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. And then in verse 17, and now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance just as your rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand, in other words, prophesied by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer he has thus fulfilled. So indeed, Jesus was rejected. Rejected and, and, and a murderer selected in his place instead of Jesus. Another truth. Jesus did die and was resurrected. We just read that these prophets are saying that he died and, a, and was raised from the dead. A fact that we're witnesses to. But in Matthew 28, starting in verse 7. Now after the Sabbath, it has begun to dawn toward the first day of the week. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave, and behold, a severe earthquake had occurred. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who has been crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, just as he said." Come see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So indeed, he did, he was crucified. These women were coming to see the body. Uh, They expected to find Jesus dead in a grave. In fact, they were wondering how they were going to roll the stone away. And they get there and the stone's rolled away. And he's not there anymore. And the angels telling them, he's not here, he's risen. You're not going to find him. Come look, you'll see, he's not here. He is risen. The, two, the other truth is, where is Jesus now? Well, the truth is he's sitting at the right hand of God. In Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 12, 12 through 14. Hebrews 10, 12 through 14. But he, having offered one sacrifice for, for sins, For all time sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. So the truth is he has been resurrected and now sits with power at the right hand of God. One other truth I want to consider. All of this happened for us. Everything that we've talked about, everything He went through, it was for us. So He did this for us as well. This Savior that they didn't recognize is the same Savior that we've got to recognize. So the truth is, He was their Savior and He is our Savior. Look at Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. In verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All, doesn't just include Pilate, who was willing to let an innocent man die, Or the rulers of the Sanhedrin who wanted to make sure that they didn't lose any power and they didn't lose any financial uh, support. And that they still had their ability to be these uh, powerful rulers. And the people that were stirred up that were willing to take a murderer instead of taking Jesus who was declared by Pilate to be an innocent man. Uh, Not just those people. You know, not just those sinners. uh, It was us as well. And it says here, we've all sinned. So this, the truth is his death and his suffering and his resurrection for us as well. Look also at John chapter 14, John chapter 14 and verse six. And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to me. No one comes to the father, but my me. So the truth is we need Jesus. He is the only way that we're going to have eternal life. He is the only means by which we can get to the Father. His sacrifice that we that we have been discussing this morning is the only thing that would give us the the ability to be with our Father in heaven. There is one truth. Well, there's more than one. There's things that Jesus said that were truthful. But there's one truth in particular that was actually in the passage that I'd like to look back at. In John chapter 18 and verse 37. Therefore Pilate said to him, So you are a king? And Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born and for this I have come into the world. To testify to truth. To testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. So whatever this truth is we're looking for, he's saying his disciples or the people who are of the truth will hear his voice. I see that as we will understand him. When he speaks something, we're not going to say he's an imposter. We're going to see him as the Messiah, as ex- exactly who he says he, he is. So what is truth again? Let's ask that question. I say Jesus is truth. He said he is truth. Uh, truth for us... I believe, is to be like Him. If we understand His truth, we're going to be more like Him. In fact, we're told to be like Him. So to, if we're more like Him, if we're more like Christ, then we will be of the truth. One last passage I'd like to read for you. One last passage in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And I'll read through uh, verse 11. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the spirit, if there, if any affection and compassion, take my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent in one purpose, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, "...regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not, merely look, do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourselves that was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant." And being made in the likeness of men, being found in an appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow, and of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. To the glory of the Father, of God the Father. So, I would say that that is truth for us to be like Jesus. I would indeed say that Jesus was who he said he was. And he has made, he has proven to be who he said he was. And he has done everything he said he would come here to do and it is for us. So that we can have a home in heaven. Thank you, I appreciate it.